are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I'm going to ask you tonight to take your Bibles, please, and turn to Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4. I'm going to let you know what the message is all about right here at the beginning. And the title is, I Hear Voices. And uh, we enjoyed a wonderful day off, Memorial Day on Monday. We had family here from out of uh, town and uh, enjoyed having some nieces and nephews and a sister and a brother-in-law. My mother came down. And there was a moment uh, within this time we were all enjoying each other's fellowship that somebody had a TV on, another one was playing some music uh, on uh, an iPod or an iPhone or something, and then uh, I was listening to a conversation, and then one of my kids asked me a question, and my mom made a statement, and I had all of these voices taking place all at one time, and uh, it created a little bit of uh, of, uh, uneasiness inside because I I couldn't listen to the song that was being played, and I couldn't answer the question that was being asked, and I couldn't listen to the conversation at the same time. And you know, there are seasons in life in which there are many voices. And as we come to our text tonight, Nehemiah chapter 4, I'm reminded of Romans 10 and verse 17 that says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. At seasons in life where we hear a multitude of voices, are the moments of our life that we have to take extra care to make sure that the only voice that we're really zeroed in on to hear is the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we listen to the Word of God tonight, it is my prayer that He would turn fear into faith. Let's look together at our text tonight in Nehemiah chapter 4 as we look down at verse 10. And I would like to have you underline a few statements if you've got a pen handy. If you don't, don't worry about it. You can do it later. But verse 10 says the three words, And Judah said. And if you don't mind underlining, I want to encourage you to underline that statement. And Judah said, The strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish, so that we are not able to build a wall. And then we come to verse 11, and I'd like to ask you to underline the statement here, these four words, and our adversaries said. And we got another voice taking place here. They shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. And then I want you to look with me at verse 12. And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, and you can underline this, they said unto us ten times from all places whence ye shall return unto us, they will be upon you. Let's bow for prayer tonight. Father in heaven, what a joy it is to be here. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts through song and special tonight already. And Father, I pray that you would still our hearts and tune our hearts to hear you speak. And I pray tonight that your word would have free course afresh and anew in each of our lives. Turn fear into faith. Increase our faith tonight. Lord, as we look into your word, may your word look into our hearts and help us to be the Christians that you've called us to be. And we ask these things now in the name of Jesus. Amen. As we come to Nehemiah chapter 4, I'm reminded that the walls of Jerusalem have been ruined 
A remnant of 50,000 Jews have returned, and there was a lot of work ahead for the people of God. And whenever God desires to accomplish a great work, He desires to use willing people. There had already been a small revival under Ezra. The temple has now been rebuilt. God was looking for a man to go to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls around the city and restore safety and order. And Nehemiah was, in fact, that man. In chapter 1, Nehemiah prays for the work of God and the work that needed to be accomplished. In chapter 2, we see Nehemiah preparing for the work that lied ahead. In chapter 3, we see Nehemiah and God's people prospering in the work of God. And we know that it only took them 52 days as they unified together to complete this great task. But may I say tonight that whenever the people of God begin a work for God or begin to become prosperous for the Lord, there will be opposition. Every time there'll be opposition. If we choose to have weak faith or to serve with weak purpose, we'll end up going by the wayside. But if we are people of great faith and not listening to all the chatter and the noise around us, and we tune our hearts to hear the voice of God, may I say tonight we can be victorious like Nehemiah was victorious. We notice in these chapters the opposition that Nehemiah faced was opposition from within and from without the city. And this great victory was won for the cause of Christ. And as we prepare to move back into church in a setting that's more normal than it's been the last many weeks now. There are great challenges that lie ahead for North Valley Baptist Church. And things at first may not seem to be what we're accustomed to, if you will. And there will be, no doubt, some inconveniences for a period of time. But I'm reminded of Nehemiah who while he was in exile, far from the place where he desired to be, yielded to what God had for him. And when he saw the need, he prayed and fasted and sought the face of God. And when God opened the door for Nehemiah to return to Jerusalem, there was no hesitation, and he responded immediately. Tonight, why was Nehemiah so anxious to get back to Jerusalem? It was more comfortable for him to stay in Babylon, frankly. Why was Nehemiah so excited to go back to his home place? It was less dangerous for Nehemiah to stay in Babylon, and it was less difficult to do nothing and to stay. And yet he set out on this journey, and so we ask the question tonight, why was it that Nehemiah went to Jerusalem? You see, tonight, Nehemiah understood that there was great danger to the people of God if they did nothing. The walls had been destroyed and God's people were vulnerable to the enemy. Nehemiah was willing to step out by faith and face the danger for the benefit of future generations. And that is exactly why tonight, North Valley Baptist Church needs to move forward by faith. We must get back to church tonight for the sake of future generations, for the sake of others. It would be more comfortable for us to do nothing. And some will say it's less dangerous to continue to shelter in place. 
It is less difficult to do nothing rather than to head back to church. But tonight, it is more dangerous to others and to our future, the future of our children if we do nothing. The liberties, the liberties of our nation that's, ha that's been secured by the blood and sacrifices of our forefathers may soon be lost if we continue to sit idle. And tonight, I'm reminded that Benjamin Franklin said, People willing to trade their freedom for temporary security deserve neither and will lose both. May I say tonight, the spiritual state of our next generation hangs perilously in the balance. The souls of men, women, and children in our city and the surrounding Bay Area, they need to hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Another generation of young people need to be trained to serve the Lord in the ministry. And this moment is a very historical moment. It's a very critical moment, and the need is great. We must not delay. We have a work to do for the Lord, and we must rise to the challenge in this hour. When Nehemiah arrived in Jerusalem, he assessed the situation and was reminded of how urgent the moment was and how needful the work was as he stepped out by faith. But as his work began to prosper, and you can study this later in chapter 3, as God's people worked together, unified together, rebuilding the wall near their homes, we see that the work begins to prosper in chapter 3, and not long later, as we come to chapter 4 in our text, Nehemiah begins to hear other voices. And this is where we find ourselves in the text tonight in chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. May I say tonight that any time you and I seek to do a work for God, there will be those who will talk, and there will be those who will murmur, and there will be those who complain. In our text tonight, we see various voices concerning the work of God. Verse 10, and Judah said, verse 11, and our adversaries said, verse 12, they said unto us 10 times. And so the message tonight is going to examine what in fact these voices had to say. First of all, we see the voice of hesitancy in verse number 10. We are not able. This first voice comes from the people of Judah. These are not the enemies of God. They are not opposed to the work of God. In fact, Judah and all their children are going to benefit from this work. But their voices were saying, we are not able. The voice of hesitancy always says, I know it should be done, but I don't see how it can be done. Therefore, we're not able to accomplish the task at hand. You see, their focus and their attention was all wrong. They focus on their strength, the strength of the workers. Look at verse 10, if you would. It says, the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed. I want you to ponder that statement tonight. Because yes, this statement may in fact have been true. And perhaps it's even true for us tonight. Many have been financially weakened by this pandemic. As a church, no doubt we have been numerically weakened. Some have been spiritually weakened. 
Others have been emotionally weakened. May I say tonight, the statement is true. The strength is decayed. But I'm reminded of Paul the Apostle in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9, who very carefully and powerfully proclaimed that God's strength is made perfect or complete in our weakness. And I'm thankful tonight that we have a God that desires for us to completely and totally depend upon Him. They not only focused on their own strength and the strength of their workers, they focused on the size of the work at hand. In verse 10, they mentioned that there was much rubbish. Again, the statement was true. There was a lot to be done. And for us tonight at North Valley Baptist Church, there is a lot that needs to be done. There is more to do now than there has ever been before. There are fears to be overcome. And may I say tonight, if you choose fear instead of faith, that's fine. God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. But my, my faith does not end where your fear begins. And be very careful what kind of epidemic we start around here, whether it's a, a pandemic of faith or a pandemic of fear. And tonight we're reminded of Nehemiah and the people of God who chose to move forward by faith. And in this moment, verse 10, we find ourselves, they were looking at the work that needed to be done. There's much work to do. There's new, uh, we have to reestablish some good Christian habits like getting up early on Sunday morning and dressing up for Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Obviously, eventually we'll get back to uh, all of these services and, and, and our bus ministries. There's a Christian school that we need to refocus on enrollment and a Bible college that we need to focus on enrollment. There's so much down the road. As we move forward, we'll have to focus on there's a lot of work that needs to be accomplished for the cause of Christ. But you see tonight, the focus of their attention led to their faulty assumption. I want you to see it again in verse 10. We are not able. That was a faulty assumption. We need to remind ourselves of Judah's predecessors who years prior had entered the land of promise to establish themselves for future generations. It reminds me tonight of America and our forefathers who came to this place to establish religious liberty Joshua and Caleb said, we are well able. I'd like to ask you tonight to hold your spot in Nehemiah chapter 4. We're coming back to this chapter. You need to stay here. But if you can turn with me over to Numbers chapter 13, I want you to see what takes place in Numbers chapter 13 tonight. Numbers chapter 13 and verse number 30. And Caleb stilled the people. These are the 12 spies that have come back. Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the man that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. You see, tonight, Joshua and Caleb, yes, they saw the giants. Yes, they saw themselves as grasshoppers, in their sight but my friend they saw something far greater than the giants they looked beyond to see a great and mighty God 
with his outstretched arm to help them. And because they focused their attention the right direction, they had the proper assessment of the situation as they said, we are well able to overcome. Tonight, I ask the question to you tonight, are you going to listen to the voice of hesitancy that says, we are not able? Or are you going to be like Paul the Apostle, who in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 13 said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. First of all, see, number one there, the voice of hesitancy. But secondly, I want you to turn back to Nehemiah chapter number four, and we're going to see the voice of hindrance. The voice of hindrance, Nehemiah chapter four and verse number 11. Notice the Bible says, and our adversaries say, they shall not know neither see till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times, From all places whence she shall return unto us, they will be upon you. The voice of hindrance that we want to look at secondly tonight is the idea of someone simply saying, You won't. You won't. That's the difference between the one who is hesitant that says we can't and maybe finds reasons to doubt and reasons to be full of fear and maybe even comes from the lack of faith. But the voice of hindrance who says you can't is oftentimes far more proactive and far more someone who is going on the offense and saying, well, you, you won't do this. You're not going to be able to do this. It's a voice of you won't because we won't let you. We are going to stop you. The voices of hesitancy in verse number 10 that we saw in number one, they're doubtful. But these in verses 11 through 12, they are in direct opposition. Now the Bible tells us in verse number 11 and 12, there's two different aspects of where these voices come from, these voices of hindrance. And it's amazing when you think about hindrances that come in our lives, usually hindrances don't just simply come out of thin air. Usually they come from a direction, they come from a source, they come from a, a somewhere or, or someone. The three main adversaries of God's people in Nehemiah's day, the Bible tells us, if you're familiar with the book of Nehemiah, are Samballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. They stood in opposition continually. Sometimes it was them by themselves through letters. Sometimes it was them by themselves through uh, intimidation. Sometimes they gathered a crowd of people with them. But it was always some sort of combination of those three. And they stood in the, in the opposition to work, God's work being done for God and for Jerusalem. And they continually, throughout the book of Nehemiah, laughed. We have record of them mocking. We have record of them despising the work of God. We have record of them writing letters of falsehoods. By the way, I want us to remember tonight, there will always be people with the character and the goals that these three enemies in Nehemiah chapter number four have. Cain hated Abel. The world mocked Noah. Joseph's brothers envied him. There will always be those that despise the work of God, that, that hate God's people, that have a disdain for the people of God. But I want us to re be reminded tonight, whether it be Cain or whether it be the world that watched Noah build the ark, or whether it be the brothers of Joseph, or whether it be the three enemies of, of Nehemiah, they all hated God's people for a common purpose because of the righteousness of God's people. That is what their hatred was directed at. Because it was the righteousness of God, the purity of God, the holiness of God was prominent in their life. 
The world today views the faith in God, our faith in God as a crutch and can't fathom why a church needs to meet together. But that simply goes to show you that the world doesn't even know what the word church means. A church is a local, called out, visible assembly of, of baptized believers that have gathered themselves together for the sake of the Great Commission and reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But hold on a second, that, that, that's fine that they don't know that because their greatest need is salvation. We can't, we can't fault the world for acting like the world. It shouldn't be a surprise to us. But when the world despises God's people, it should be for the, for the cause of righteousness. What does the Bible tell us in the book of 1 Timothy? The Bible says, Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. 1 Peter chapter number 2 speaks of the fact, and we're exhorted that if we suffer persecution and we suffer wrongdoing because of sin in our life, there is no glory, there is no merit, there is no reward in that. But if we suffer wrongdoing and we suffer persecution for righteousness, there is reward in that. When this hindrance comes, when this voice of hindrance comes, it's interesting that Satan works in the same way today as he did in Nehemiah's day. We understand that any time Satan wants to disrupt what God's plans are, he always begins with intimidation. And Satan, I believe, is just as lazy as anybody else. He uses the least amount of effort in the beginning to get God's people to stop. And sadly, with some of God's people, that's all that it takes is just intimidation. It never has to go, it never has to go beyond that. And Satan will use intimidation in your personal life, and he will use intimidation in our church. Could I ask you tonight very plainly and very personally, when is the last time that you resisted the devil in your personal life? Far too often, we're willing to claim what the church is doing. We're willing to jump on the bandwagon of our church is doing this, and my church does this, and my church is part of that. But what about you tonight? When is the last time you personally stood against the intimidation of the devil in your life? Because whatever the will of God is for your life, the devil will usually use some form of imitation to create fear and to create doubt. Nehemiah's responses to these voices from without was always the same. It's found in, don't turn there, but chapter 2, verse 20, he says, Ye have no right, nor portion, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Nehemiah was very plain. He was very matter-of-fact. Have you noticed the devil in the world always tries to remove personal accountability? The world always tries to do that. When someone does something wrong, they say, well, it was, it was, it, it, it's, not, it's not being a drunkard, it's a, it's a disease of alcoholism. The world always tries to shade sin in different, uh, different directions, but what, is, what do we find in Nehemiah? Nehemiah set boundaries. And Nehemiah said, you don't have a right here, you don't have a portion here. This has nothing to do with what you are doing, because we are God's people. But the world always wants to, to shift the blame and, and, and call sin something else at their convenience. We are responsible, they are responsible, and we as God's people will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Don't be surprised when we go back to church, there's going to be voices. Yes, as Pastor Everson said, there'll be voices of hesitation, but there'll be voices of hindrance from without saying you won't. We're not going to let you, you're not going to do it. I thank the Lord tonight for, and I would say forgotten Baptist preachers who faced persecution and who shed blood on these shores so that we could have the Bill of Rights that we hold dear today and even have the freedom to assemble that we're doing tonight. 
Without men like John Leland and the Baptist of Virginia, we wouldn't have the Bill of Rights or even the First Amendment, let alone. The voices of you won't or nothing new. Most of the time, they come from without. Oh, but I want you to see in verse number 12, let me point you quickly here. The voices of hindrance also sometimes come from within. These aren't the people of Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem who were leading the Arabians, the Horonites, the Ammonites. Those were the ones on the outside. Those were the voices of hindrance that, that came from the outside. But the Bible now in verse number 12 delineates these voices on the inside as the people who dwelt close and had close associations with the ones on the outside. Look in verse number 12. The Bible says, And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them, who's them? Samballat, Tobiah, Geshem. When the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times, From all places whence she shall return unto us, they will be upon you. Now these voices aren't the direct enemies of God, but they sure sound like it, don't they? In fact, they, they echo those same voices. In fact, when you read the Bible, they're, they're sometimes hard to tell apart. The reason is, listen tonight, is because their proximity to the enemies of God made them so closely influenced by them that they begin to sound just like them. So now you've got the voices of hindrance on the inside are parroting and are mirroring the voices of hindrance on the outside. I hope the more we've been out of, out of the church building, the more that you've gotten in the Word of God. I mean, truly love this book and truly hunger from the Word of God. A pastor feeds his people three, sometimes four times a week. And I want to encourage you that you need to be getting something from God every single day. And it ought to, it ought to be more often because most of us have more time on our hands. Baptists have always been known as people of the book. Baptists have always been known as, as Bereans, those who search the Scriptures daily to see if those things were so. And I ask you tonight, are you? Facebook, social media, Instagram gets way too much of our business and way too much of our attention. And, and so much so, hey, that we begin to be parroting and we begin to be parroting the voices on the outside and we begin to parrot them on the inside and follow them who we read and who we follow. Tonight, I don't want to just parrot the voice. I don't even want to just parrot the good voices. I want something directly from the Word of God for myself as I read it and as the Holy Spirit of God speaks to me. Oh, when we come back to the house of God, instead of sounding like voices from without, whether good or bad, whatever your opinion is, instead of sounding like voices from without, why don't we elevate our conversation so that we speak upon the things of God? That's my prayer that it would be wonderful as you walk through the hallways and as we hear people talking that our speech has more to do with doctors and politicians and more to do with the great physician and the king of kings. What has God been doing in your life? Your life personally. What have you read in your Bible recently? You see, our conversation ought to be elevated to such things of heaven and holiness. I want you to listen quickly to Psalm 107. The Bible says in verse number one, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And we're familiar with this. The Bible says in verse number two, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Well, say so what? That he's good, and that his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered them out of the lands from the east, and from the west, and from the north, and from the south. 
They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way that they may go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. If you're saved tonight, all of that could be your testimony and should be your testimony. And as we come into God's house, it shouldn't be a, a parroting of the voices from without. Again, whatever your opinion is, wherever, wherever you take a stand on the issues of this and of life, it ought to be voices from the Word of God as God has spoken to us. Elevating our conversation that would encourage and exhort the brethren. Tonight your speech and my speech is going to be influenced by what we feed on the most. The Jews that surrounded Nehemiah, they'd spent way too much time with the enemies of God. And the voice on the inside got to be just like the voice on the outside. It was a voice of hindrance. And that voice was simply this, you won't do that for God. And it's still very real today. Yes, there are the voices of hesitancy. There are the voices of hindrance. But I'm glad to report to you this evening that there's another voice found in this chapter. If you look in Nehemiah chapter number 4, and you read down in verse number 14, the Bible says, Nehemiah said, I looked and rose up and said. There's another voice that's speaking, and that's the voice of hope. There is hope tonight. It's a voice which speaks to every individual. Nehemiah said, I said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people. This is a voice for every individual of North Valley Baptist Church. It's a voice that speaks to every staff member. A voice that cries out to every Sunday school teacher, to every usher, to every bus worker, to every security team member, to every choir member, to every orchestra member, to every member of North Valley Baptist Church. It is a voice for every individual. Notice what he said, be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord which is great and terrible. That's what we must do. In these difficult and uncertain hours, remember Him. Here is the inspiration of their faith. Remember the Lord. Remember how He sailed with Noah through the floody waters. Remember how He sheltered Moses in an ark of bulrushes. Remember how He dried the waters of the Red Sea for Israel to cross over. Remember how He knocked down the walls of Jericho. Remember how He helped David against the giant. Remember how he walked in the fire with the three Hebrew boys. Remember how he shut the mouth of the lions for Daniel. Remember all that he has done. He is great and terrible. And as Nehemiah urged the people, fight for your brethren, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Can I say tonight that we must be willing to go to battle for the cause of Christ. We must be willing to stand up and be counted. The hour has come. The time is now past. We must march forward for the cause of of Christ. Nehemiah concluded his challenge to the people in verse number 20 with these words, our God shall fight for us. May I frankly submit to you this evening that the hour is too late, the time is too short, and the need is too great for us to sit at home. We must not be cowed by the voices of hesitancy or the voices of hindrance, but we must be challenged by the voice of hope. Be ye not afraid is our rallying cry. Use caution, yes. Be mindful of others, yes. 
make personally prudent choices based on individual health conditions absolutely but do not be afraid remember greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world and if God be for us who can be against us could I say this evening my hope is not in City Hall my hope is not in Sacramento my hope is not in Washington DC but my hope is in heaven It's not who sits in the mayor's chair, nor who lives in the governor's mansion, nor who works in the Oval Office that really matters. It's who sits on the throne in heaven that's important. And by the way, he wasn't elected, and he can't be impeached, and he always does well. In Nehemiah's day, the people responded to the challenge. Notice in verse number 21 of Nehemiah chapter number 4, they responded, So we labored in the work. Despite the voices of hesitancy, they worked. In the face of voices of hindrance, they worked. In response to the voice of hope, they worked. And so today, you and I must respond. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner. It must not suffer loss. Isaac Watts, the great hymn writer, asked the question, Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease, while others fought to win the prize and sail through bloody seas? It was our forefathers who at great personal cost purchased for us the liberty to worship God apart from the undue constraint of governmental interference. And down through the centuries, men and women have shed their blood and have given their lives to ensure that the those liberties remain. And can I say to you tonight that today it is our turn. It is our turn to secure those same liberties for another generation. Again, the hour is late. The time is short. The need is great. Like the people of Nehemiah's day, we must respond to the voice of hope and take up the work of God once more. The inspiration of their faith was to remember him. But I want you to see the vindication of that faith. We turn over to Nehemiah chapter number 6 and verse number 15 and we read these great words. So the wall was finished. God enabled his people to do the work that he had called them to do. And notice what the response of their enemies was in verse number 16. And it came to pass when all our enemies heard thereof and all the heathen that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes for they perceived that this work was wrought of our God. God enabled his people to accomplish the task and God was glorified in the doing of it. I want to say to you this evening that God will fight for us. So let's labor in the work that he might get glory from it. Dear Sunday school teacher, that Sunday school class will be filled with students once again for the glory of God. Bus workers, those buses will roll down Compassion Lane and across the city for the glory of God. Principal and Christian school teacher, the hallways of the Christian school will echo again with the voices of young people for the glory of God. The doors of Golden State Baptist College will open again in the fall for the glory of God. The faithfulness rally will again be filled to overflowing to the glory of God. The choir of the North Valley Baptist Church will once more sound forth an anthem of praise for the glory of God. 
and the altars again will be stained with tears. The waters of baptism will be stirred and the shouts of God's people will resound once more in God's house to the glory of God. For God will vindicate the faith and obedience of his people. The songwriter said, fierce and long the battle rages, but our help is near. Onward comes our great commander. Cheer, my comrades, cheer. Hold the fort, for I am coming. Jesus, signal still. Let's wave the answer back to heaven. By thy grace, we will. Oh, yes, there are the voices of hesitancy saying we can't. Yes, I hear the voices of hindrance crying, you won't. But I want to tell you, I've been married for nearly 29 years, and I've developed some selective hearing. And tonight, my ear is attuned to the voice of hope, affirming the fact that God will, God will, God will. Let's put our trust in Him. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.